Hello everybody, I'm Dwayne Mancini and welcome to another episode of MedTech Money brought to you by Project MedTech. If you need anything from us or would like to suggest a future guest, you can email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. You can always visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com or follow us on LinkedIn. If you're enjoying this content, don't forget to check our other podcasts by searching Project MedTech on your favorite podcast platform or by heading to our website. The Project MedTech podcast is an interview style podcast on the MedTech industry where guests share stories, advice, pitfalls, trends, and innovations. In this episode, Episode, our host, Giovanni Loricella, and our guest, Alberto Rodriguez Navarro at Levita Magnetics, discuss their technology, how they raise their Series C, surgical robotics, raising money in Latin America, magnets, physician entrepreneurs, angels versus VCs, and so much more. So, without further ado, Giovanni's discussion with Alberto Rodriguez Navarro. Medical innovation starts with medical Alberto, thank you very much for being here with us today. I'm very excited about talking certainly about your technology, also about how and where you raised your capital from, and then obviously even about yourself of, of how this whole big picture came together. So I want to say thank you for your time and for coming on the MedTech Money podcast series here, which is powered by Project MedTech and sponsored by Lifeblood Capital. And the reason why we're here is I've talked to MedTech entrepreneurs like yourself as well as investors from around the world. And per what we're about to get into, meaning your discussion on raising capital, it certainly is a testament to the fact that there is no silver bullet or even specific formula or magic about how to raise or invest capital in MedTech. So my goal here is to extract your insights so that we can demystify this process and help other MedTech innovators benefit from the information. And the audience listening in now, is MedTech entrepreneurs as well as investors. And so what I want to do is share your story as well as advice with what I imagine is that first time founder or CEO and seriously has no idea what they're about to get into in terms of this journey of raising capital. So I thought the best place to start is from learning from experienced professionals just like you. Wrapping this up, we're going to talk about you. We're going to talk about Levita, the technology that you guys are getting involved in, which is fundamentally in the surgical robotic industry. We're going to talk about raising capital, and I'm going to spoil it specifically where some of the hidden gems are are located down in Latin America and how that played into your story. And we're going to wrap all that up with the fundamentals of how you can actually bring this whole geographic spectrum of this entire series, because the one thing that we haven't covered yet is Latin America. So I'm very excited to be able to get that story out through you tied to the surgical robotic industry. So a lot of sexy topics here. Before we get into any of that, I'm going to start off with some questions that I want to warm up this conversation with. The first one being, do you believe that people and money are the lifeblood of a med tech startup? Why or why not? And also, what would you add? Yeah, well, first, Giovanni, thank you very much. It's really a pleasure and honor to be here uh, sharing our story and on I hope that other entrepreneurs feel this interesting and useful and, and, and do the big jump, how I, how I call it. Uh, of course, I am totally agree that the, the three components for, for starting a company is, well, first, the people that I would say the most important. Of course, you need resources, but it has to be uh, a smart resource, people, investors who believe in you, who help you, who open doors. I mean, it has to be uh, active active money. And the third point I would say is, the, is to have a problem to really, you need to, to, to direct the people and the resources in order to solve uh, a burning problem because this is so difficult. The, the journey is so complex that you really have to believe that you have a problem that is important for society in order to direct the people and the resources in order to have an impact in society. And I want to go into this next question more philosophical than anything. There's a lot going on within a surgical robotic system. There's a lot going on in the healthcare system. There's a lot going on in the world. And when you wrap all that together, do you believe in luck? And how does luck play into the success of MedTech or for a MedTech startup? Yeah, I totally believe in, in luck. 
I believe in luck combined with hard work. I, I, I think that you, you receive this, the strike of luck when you are really a pers be persistent in what you're doing and working hard. But of course, you need a, a, a glimpse of luck in order for uh, making the big, the big jump. And at this point, spoiling the most recent press release of La Vita, where you had successfully raised Series C of 26 million. That's what we're going to be talking about. But in order to get to that Series C, and you are the founder of La Vita, which means you've raised money prior to the Series C, you've been in front of a lot of different investors, different styles of investors, different locations, different check sizes. Um, mm -hmm. So when you've looked at them in the, in the face, there's been ones who have invested in you. There's been ones that have passed. But from what you've learned throughout the process, what is the most investable skill set or a characteristic for a medtech entrepreneur to ultimately be invested in? And what I want you to think of maybe in a different way is, why do you believe the investors invested in you? What was that one thing that you think they saw in you? I mean, I think it's a combination. Also, I'm talking about that we we are we have a track record of developing very disruptive approach. I mean, first we developed the magnetic concept in surgery that we are the first one. We create we create the, the new category in the FDA. Now we are doing this big jump of combining with robotics and also creating a new category in robotics. So, so I'm I'm saying this from a perspective of of very disruptive and new ideas. Um, I would say that people in general are very reluctant to new things uh, because I mean, nobody else is doing it. They don't have a, a frame of reference of, of what you're saying is right or, or wrong. So they must rely on your, on your track record in terms of your previous achievements that in, in, in my case, it was, it was difficult because I'm coming from another country to the US, uh, even with my first, first time CEO. So it's difficult to really prove a track record when you don't, you don't have it. So I would say that it's a combination of, of, of trust that you will do what you are doing. I mean, what you, that you're going to do, what you say that you're going to do, plus um, a, a persistent kind of effort but also with the capability of, 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 of pivoting and changing your strategy. So, so I would say that the two main character, character like features um, that people invest is, is one is having a, a trust and that is based on a track record of, of doing what you're doing. I mean, to, do, to, to, to a story of, of what you achieved, what you said. And the other one is um, this concept of, uh, of, of being able to, to um, uh, execute in terms of, of what you're saying. I don't know if, I, if I'm, I'm being clear. Very clear. Very, very clear. And that leads me into, I'm going to spoil a little bit. We're going to get into your background, but you still are to this day known as Dr. Alberto Rodriguez Navarro, right? But yeah. you are now a CEO of La Vita. So previous in your previous life, you were a practicing clinician physician and yeah. Now you became a medtech entrepreneur. You are a medtech entrepreneur. If you knew what you know now about making that jump, specifically from being a physician now to being an entrepreneur in industry, and even a human being now jumping in and taking the realm and helm of being a medtech leader and entrepreneur as a CEO of a medtech startup, would you do it all over again? Or, or would you just completely stay with what you were doing now? You know how challenging or complex it could be. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question, and Giovanni, and, and actually, I mean, it's funny, I want to tell you a story that that I, I reached to be an entrepreneur without even knowing it. I mean, I remember one day when someone says, hey, you know, you're an entrepreneur. I say, like, no, 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 I'm a surgeon. I say, no, 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 you started a company, you are developing a new staff, you're an entrepreneur. And I said, oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it kind of like, it, it wasn't something that I really planned. Um, I mean, I like research. I like to, to apply research that is always, I have been involved in my surgical practice, how, how you can do things better, how you can have an impact on, on, on people. And I start Levita with the goal is how more patients can, can have a better, a, better, a better surgery, a better procedure, a better, a better care. That was kind of like the inspiration to, to start Levita. And I figured it out that the best way of doing that was starting a company, gathering uh, people with the same 
a goal in terms of how we can do things better because I saw this problem when I was a, a practitioner. I, I work in, in one of the largest uh, hospitals in, in Santiago, in Chile, uh, for almost 10 years. And we have thousands of patients waiting for surgery. We were always late. We were always doing surgeries when patients have complications, things that you will be able to do it earlier, but we, we didn't have the bandwidth, we didn't have the capability. So I start working on how we can do the things better, uh, how we can do the, the, the process for patient to be faster, more efficient. And that's how I, I decided to stop my clinical practice and focus on, on, on Levita. I love it. And, and you mentioned you didn't even realize that you were an entrepreneur until you realized it and someone told you. So my question for you is over the past, correct me if I'm wrong, you started Levita in 2011. So we're roughly 11 years into it right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I decided to be full in in 2013 when I decided to move to, to the US. I mean, I, I sell my car, sell my apartment, stole my <laughs> clinical practice in Chile. Uh, luckily, my, my wife is crazy as, as I am, so we decided to, to move here. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting story because, I mean, there we were focused in developing the magnetic technology. Um, with the people that I was talking, everybody was saying, like, look, first time CEO coming from another country, developing a technology that is, uh, is new because, I mean, there was no, nobody doing it. I mean, the chances that you do it is zero. It's not like 0.1, it was zero. But I mean, I was very fortunate, and that's where what you're saying, luck play play a role to gather a team that really believe in what we're doing, that makes sense. And we were able to develop the first product, um, gather the first, first investment. Um, we conduct all our clinical trials in, in Chile, and we can talk a little bit more about the leveraging the, the capabilities that you have in your own kind of country or where you're coming from. Uh, we were able to work with FDA in order to demonstrate that this technology was safe and better. And that's how we created the first, the first product that opens the, the magnetic concept for, for surgery. So then let me be super short with this question then. Having gone through everything that you just shared with us, is it glamorous being a med tech startup CEO? Is it what you thought a CEO's life looked like, felt like? Uh, totally, totally uh, contrary. I mean, I think that people have all these ideas of the movies that CEOs is very fancy. It's it's really hard work. Uh, it's a lot of pressure on your family. I mean, it's a, there's a lot of long days, long trips, time away from your family. So there's a lot of emotional pressure. You have ups when everything is going that, uh, good, but then you have downs when things uh, are are not going so so good. I mean. We have been close to 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 die many times, but we survive. And what does not kill you make you stronger. So so it's it's very intense. Uh, it's not glamorous at all. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of emotional uh, a kind of roller coaster. Uh, but it's a, it's a beautiful journey. I mean, you learn a lot. You understand the world in a better way. I mean, for me, it has been very interesting as, as a first as a practitioner and then now developing tools for for surgeons why people adopt new technology what are the drivers what is the impact that you can have so you 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 gotta understand and kind of like an understanding of of, of the of the healthcare in a, in another way and it's, it's a it's a it's a very nice journey so then I'm having fun with this question and I want to ask you once again highlighting the fact that the press release recently came out of you raising Series C of 26 million for Levita and more beyond that, I'm sure. If you had a magic stick and could fix anything about how venture capital works in terms of raising capital, from, at least from your perspective, what would you fix? I mean, I, was, I think that it has been interesting. I mean, we have transitioning from raising money from, from Latin America and now we were able to raise money here in the, in the US. Uh, it's interesting to realize that uh, people sometimes are a little bit more stuck with the form of how you present the thing than really the, the core concepts behind. Uh, I have a more like a technical kind of like background, so I was more focused before in the, in the te technology itself. But here people are more how you present it, how they, they, they are used to a way 
of of be exposed to the to the idea of the project of the how, how you really kind of present it. So that's something that I I learned how to say in the in the hard way <laughs> to to really uh, understand that. Uh, and it's very very interesting that that the form of how you present the things is 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 much important that I I I saw before. So it's a it's an interesting how to say like a, a process how people decide or not to invest on you. Kind of going back to your question, there are different there are cultural stuff. There are uh, how to say like a, a ways that people are used to to do it, and you have to learn. I'm specifically I'm talking about the US VCs. They they want to see the things in a way that they are used to. So you have to adapt your uh, pitch, your presentation to that specific form if you want to get money from here. So then that leads me to my last question before we just start pulling apart everything that you've brought up thus far. What does the name of your company mean, Levita? What's the story behind yeah. it? Yeah, Levita is coming from levitation because we our core technology is based on, on magnetic uh, movements of, of instruments that actually you can make it levitate. I mean, if you really balance the magnetic force, and I have very spooky videos of our of our instruments really flying inside of the cavity, kind of levitating. Uh, so that's why we decided to call Levita, the company for levitation. So that's where we're coming the, the name. Very cool. So lo and behold, all those listening in right now, previous physician and clinician, now current med tech entrepreneur and CEO of Levita, Dr. Alberto Rodriguez Navarro, who are you? You mentioned that you come from Chile. Let's start there. But we want to know now who we're listening to and for the remainder of the story to give context of who we're listening to. So who are you? Where are you from? How did you build your life? And ultimately leading up to you now being based in the Bay Area and being founder and CEO of La Vita. Tell us who you are. Yeah, well, I am half half Spanish, half Chilean. My dad is from Spain. My mom is, uh, is from Chile. Uh, my, my dad moved from from Spain to Chile, so he he was um, a foreigner in in, in Chile. Uh, so I was really kind of like growing growing up in understanding what to 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 be kind of exposed to international uh, kind of environments, uh, how to really have to work hard and 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 bring bring benefit always where you are. Kind of I think that my family always. Uh, teach me kind of like that that concept of look you have to to do something good where you are whatever the situation you have to change things for for good uh, and then well I always I love surgery since I was a, a child I don't know why uh, always like being involved in, in surgery and um, I start I mean I have this this concept about the magnets very early on on my surgical career when I was a surgical resident I, I figured it out that, that that you can use magnets for surgery but it took me a a long time because in, 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 in Latin America, there was no uh, belief that you can develop something that, 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 that you can develop a tool for surgery. I mean, you can do kind of like small things for your patients, but really developing a tool was, is out of the scope, you see, because you always use tools from, from abroad. So it took me a while to really realize that, that this concept could be something that could be translated to, to a, to a, to a tool. And as I mentioned, my big driver was like working in the hospital and, and we did a lot of things in, in the hospital that where I work. I was the chief of the ambulatory surgical unit for a long time, but you realize that everything that we can do was a very low scale impact. I mean, we can help people in the community, but if we want to have like a real impact, you really have to develop tools and technology to, to, to empower the, the surgeons. And that was my drive to, to really stop my clinical practice moved to the US and it has been like a interesting journey because we start first with the magnet, we develop it and in, in the clinical and kind of like market entry of the, of the magnetic components, we realized that combining with robots, it was a, it's a, was a, it's a big, big solution. And that's why we decided to do this big jump and, and we, we, we switched the company to be a robotic company based on magnetic concepts. So it has been like an interesting process but always thinking how we can do things better for the patient, how we can improve the access, how we can help surgeons to do a better better job. So here we are 
at La Vita, we now know your backstory, and thank you for sharing that with us. Um, we hear words like surgical robotics or robotics and magnets and levitation. What I'd like to know, imagine you telling the story of what La Vita technology is, but you're telling it to all the cliche, a four-year-old, some stranger at the bar, uh, your grandmother who has no idea about technology. <laughs> if, if you're telling the world right now about what your technology is simplistically, but also then being able to expand upon that in terms of the, the value that it's bringing to healthcare, what is Levita's technology? Yeah, we're developing a Mars that is magnetic assisted robotic surgery. It's a new concept in robotic surgery. Mostly this brings value to three uh, we have the triple impact. We bring value to three areas. First for us is for the patient. We enable to reduce the number of incisions. So we reduce pain, we reduce the scars, and we reduce the time to recover in, in the hospital. The second area that we have impact is in the surgeon. This empowers the surgeon to do the work better. It's a, it's a platform, it's a robotic platform that, that enables you as a surgeon to do the surgery in a better way. You see better, you control everything, you're in command of the procedure, you don't depend so much on your assistant. So it's, it's a better way, it's a better platform for doing the surgery. And I can tell you that because I'm a surgeon. <laughs> and the third area that we have an impact is in the providers in the hospital. This makes the surgery process more efficient because as the patient uh, has less pain, that has an, a big impact in terms of use of beds. You can have patients having less care after the surgery. So that at the end, that means that you can do more surgeries because the, the, the aftercare, the, the post-surgery uh, post is usually the bottleneck where you cannot do more surgeries. So that's why we have this triple impact that, that we're very happy because it's a new approach. It's a new way of, of how you do surgery. And we're convinced that it's the, the way of surgery will be performing in the future. So if I can ask some technology questions just to wrap my head around it, are you creating the actual external robot itself like the world knows of intuitive surgical or the Mako by Stryker? Are you creating the robot in addition to the magnets themselves? Like, is it a full system? Yes, yes. That's uh, we, we first validate and develop the magnetic component. Um, we have done with the kind of like uh, with the with the manual system more than five thousand surgeries. So we know that the reduction of incisions using magnets brings less pain, less use of opioids, uh, faster recovery for patient, also less scars. That also is important for for the for the perception of of of, um, of benefit for the patient. Uh, and, and as I mentioned, we figured out that combining the magnet with robots. Uh, but with a with a fresh approach, because the the Da Vinci and and the the others who are developing robots right now, they replace the surgeon from the from the sterile field next to the patient. What we do is is a surgical assistant. With our robot is in the sterile field with the surgeon, so it's it's another it's a fresh view of seeing robotics and and, and it's a different approach. Uh, but we are very, very uh, bullish in terms of our solution. We'll have a big impact because it really brings value. It's at this triple level that we are we are saying that nobody else is uh, is seeing the the robotics as we are seeing. So, once again, so I can wrap my head around it, are the mm. how how are the magnets delivered? Like how how do the ma are the magnets on the outside or are the magnets on yes. the inside? Yes, our kind of the use of magnets in, in our system is that you deploy an inner piece inside of the abdominal cavity and, the, and then you manipulate it with an external mag. The, in that way, you, you reduce the need of making so many incisions in the patient for doing any abdominal procedure like uh, sleeve gastrectomies, gallbladders, um, colorectal procedures. So you can perform the procedure in an easy and reproducible way with less incisions. So, so, so that's the core magnetic technology. With the robot, you increase the, the control of the camera. The camera is, is super stable. That's what you need for, for doing the procedure. And also you control the magnets and the camera as a surgeon because it's, they are ro robotically operated arms that you control 
with a very easy interface without using your hands. So as I mentioned, it's a, it's a, it's a robotic magnetic assistant that enables to bring all this uh, value to, to the patient, to the surgeon, and to the provider. So I, I love surgical robotics. It's a field that I just happen to be following for many years. And I know it's a hot buzzword, so a lot of people are following it as well. Um, there are topics of the hour in terms of capital raise in Latin America that we will get to very shortly, but I do want to stick on this technology aspect. So you've done a great job of explaining what Levita's doing, but how does it fall into the ecosystem of surgical robotics right now in terms of the industry? What are the challenges with surgical robotics to date? Mm -hmm. It's the acquisitions that have already taken place, whether it's the behemoth of intuitive surgical whether it's the other startups that are also going towards the same end goal or, or trying to change surgery or augment surgery. Talk about the industry of surgical robotics, where it's been in the past, where we are now, and where you assume it's going to be in the future, and, and maybe even focus more on the, the major challenges too. Yeah. What don't think about the industry? Yeah. I think that's a, it's a, it's a wonderful question, and, and I will give my, my opinion. This is my based on my uh, view of what is happening. I mean, surgery will, will be with robots, that there's no questions about that. I mean, it makes total sense that robots be involved in, in surgery, in abdominal surgery, I'm, I'm mostly talking. Um, I think that the Da Vinci and all the Da Vinci likes are, are very cool technology. I think they're very useful, uh, but the biggest utility is in very complex oncological or very complex procedures. Uh, because in, in those kind of procedures, you need a lot of suturing, uh, long procedures. For example, prostate is a, is a great example of a complex procedure that you are deep in the pelvis. Uh, you're in a very awkward position as a surgeon. So it makes sense to have the, the support of a, of, a big, of a big robot. But if you see the majority of the cases in what are performed, there are more gallbladders, sleeve gastrectomies. Uh, they are relatively more, less complex procedures. You don't need so much hand suturing. You don't need uh, uh, so much dissection, a very straightforward process. So the, this like big robots are a little bit overkill solution for the majority of the, of the market. So that's why we are very happy to, and we are very bullish in our approach because our robot is, is compact. Um, it, it's kind of like a light uh, robot that, really helps the, the surgeon, don't replace the surgeon as these other robots are, are aiming to. So that's why our, our, our approach is totally disruptive and different is, and it's tackled to another kind of like set of procedures that are more less complex procedure, very focused in ambulatory or same day discharge procedures. So that's why we're seeing the market that, that there's a big fit for, for what we're doing. Because if you see conventional robots are only in three, 4%, of the, of the cases today, uh, but if you see it in the other way, there's like 96% of cases that are open to, to, to have another robotic solution. So that's what we are focusing. We see this as a little bit of computers. When computers started, you have like huge computers in universities, very expensive um, and really helping very complex procedures. Uh, we see ourselves as the home computer. You need something simple, but actually that makes the work. <laughs> so, so that's why we see that, that we are developing another approach that is a disruptive approach, that is a new, a fresh view of robotics and also very focused in how we bring clinical value because um, robotics so far is very cool and very nice technology. But if you see the hard data, and this is my science hat, um, the data is, is, is not very, um, could say like clear that the benefits of robotics today. So that's why we are very bullish in that our robot uh, will bring clinical value. We already have some early data that is pointing in that way. So, so that's why we are so uh, optimistic about our new approach. And I want to dovetail this into my next question because you were just talking about it, whether it's your scientific hat, your previous experience as a physician, and you can say why robotics is the future because you're a physician in general. Now, if you get objective, and I love this question when they have the opportunity of asking it, what is the added value that a physician brings to entrepreneurship and med tech? What, what is it that you as a physician 
can either do or see when you're developing a medical device or even a medical system that someone who hasn't treated patients can't bring, no matter how amazing they are as an engineer or sales or commercial person, whatever it may be. What is it that a physician brings to entrepreneurship and med tech that someone else can't? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And, and one, one of my goals is that more physicians and, and healthcare providers that have a real experience with patients make this jump to entrepreneurship because I think that this has to start with a problem that you see in, in patients, something that you really uh, feel. I mean, for example, when I, when I was arriving to my hospital at, I don't know, 6 a.m., I see a line of people waiting for a number for getting a, a, a consultation, for getting a surgery, and that surgery will be performed in three years. You see, was, something was wrong, you see. So, so you really have to start with a, with a problem and then uh, gather engineers that are very good for, for, for solving problems, kind of really focus in, in, in how to, to tackle that. Because, I mean, if you, if you start with technology, technology could be very cool, but actually if you are not solving a big, a big problem, I, I, I think it's, a, it's not the best use of, of, of resources. So then now we're getting more closer to the topic of the hour of this capital raise, but we now know the value added of a physician to entrepreneurship and innovation. What about that transition of not having business 101 as a physician, not even knowing that you were an entrepreneur until someone called you an entrepreneur. And then all of a sudden, here you are moving to a new country, you're developing technology. It's all about business at this point, obviously with a mission and impactful focus, but you've never raised money before, right? I'm assuming. So let's start there. There was a, there was a day that you had founded La Vita. You knew that you wanted to pursue this. And you've taken it as far as whatever that day led you to. And then you realized that you had to go out and raise capital for it. Were you still in Chile or were you already over here in the United States? And then when you tell that story, how did you even learn how to raise capital? What was that even, pro what was that process? Yeah, well, also we'll return to the topic of, of luck. I mean, I have been very, very lucky in, in, my, in my life. I mean, the first investment uh, for Levita, it, it came from a from a Chilean fund that is called um, uh, uh, Alex Lemberger, the, the the investor, and it's called Aurus. It's a it's a Chilean Chilean fund that that it was a big push from the Chilean government in order to develop new technological industries in the in the country. So they back up this fund and also they give us some some grants, and that's how we we started. Um, I, I would say like it was luck because the, the initial kind of like fun, fundraising, I was not even realizing that I was fundraising because I was talking with Alec and he actually, he, he was the same who, who pushed me a little bit, hey, why don't you kind of, if we back up you, why don't you go and develop this? It was a very, how to say, like not really traditional way of, of starting because he, he really pushed me a little bit about, about stopping my, my clinical practice and, and doing this full time. And... And also, I would say that you always have to be humble. That for a surgeon to be humble is, is very difficult because it's a, we are trained to be kind of the master of the of the of the OR. So, so but you have to step down and really gather a team and learn from other people who has done it before. So that's one of one of the things that I, I quickly realized when I, and that's why I decided to move to Silicon Valley is to to get in, involved with people who has experience in developing products, in fundraising, in structuring a, a company to, to really how, how you gather a, a, a team that, that, that can make the, the product real, you see. So I was very lucky that, that I had, I mean, one of our, my first mentor is Glenn French, the, the current CEO of Pulmonics, that, that he really take the time and take the, the, the the, the energy in order to, to teach me all this process of being from a, from a technical standpoint that I, that I had the surgery to more understanding how to be a CEO and, and, and start um, doing these other activities that are critical for the company to, to keep alive. So first, Glenn French was uh, my mentor. And then also I gather a, a very experienced uh, board 
here in Silicon Valley, we well Maria Saints. Now we have Daniel Hawkins. Now we have also Evan uh, Norton. Uh, that I'm very open to to suggestions to learn about them. We we sit and and we talk, and I I really take an, a a position of okay, help me to figure it out this how we keep moving forward. You mentioned Daniel Hawkins. You said Daniel yes. Hawkins is a mentor or an advisor or. or- it's part of our board. So yes, I mean, I try to bring smarter people than than me, people who has experience in this uh, space. So so that's how I take it, like a, as a as a learning journey, and and be be humble about it. That is, it's difficult for a surgeon to be humble. So but you have to you have to be that that you you have to understand you are very good in something, but you you have to gather a team that that brings another capabilities. Also in that aspect, for example, we're very fortunate that now. Our our C C um, C O O is Greg Liu, a mechanical engineer from Stanford with a lot of experience in robotics. He previously worked in Google. So, gathering a team that that bring capabilities that you don't have is is critical. Couldn't agree more. And we had Daniel actually on the podcast series. I, I call him a medtech legend. His story is absolutely epic. He, he's very, very successful at what he does, but obviously just yeah. incredibly passionate in terms of medtech innovation. So you're building a great board for sure. Um, getting back to it, just to clarify the story. So you incorporated or at least started La Vita in Chile and yes. you got your initial capital from a Chilean fund, which was non-dilutive as grants, correct? No, we got grant from the government but Chilean government, but also an investment, an equity investment that was led by, by, a, by a VC fund from Chile, but actually it's a small VC fund um, that is focusing in, in, in healthcare. And that was the individual who helped push you to do this full time? Br- yes. Okay. Yes, so- and also to move, to move here, because initially we we're thinking about being based in Chile and be connected to, to the US, but actually very early on, we realized that uh, uh, people is important, is really important. And, and Latin America, you have a lot of talent, very smart people. There's a lot of, what do you say, like a, a talented professionals, but they don't have the knowledge that you need in order to understand the complete process of developing a new, a new product for medicine that it, it's involved in terms of, I don't know, early stage clinicals, then proving, then early commercials. And then scaling commercially. So, so it's it's a it's you need the knowledge, and that's why I decided to move here the, to the US. Also, I was lucky that I had the support from my from my wife, from my family. The the because I mean everybody's I mean in Chile you can make a very good living if you are a if you are a surgeon. Uh, I, mean, I left all that behind moving here to a to a new journey. So you have to have the support from your family because otherwise it's a it's a it's a very emotional uh, journey, so you need the, to be emotionally stable. I completely agree. Um, so <laughs> moved to the Bay Area from Chile, got the non-dilutive capital from the government, got a VC equity fund who was fortunate yeah. enough to be able to push you out of practice and do this full time. Yeah. So now you're up here in the, in the Bay Area. Um, what comes next? And just actually just do a very quick summary of what rounds of capital did you have to raise and the size that ultimately yeah. led you to this most recent round of 26 million Series C. Yeah, I mean, it was also that was been very interesting, uh, Giovanni, because first we were looking Levita as a product company because we have the first product, the magnetic product. So, so also one of the reasons why I moved to the US was thinking that we will need a lot of money in order to, to develop the product because if you see the story of other products, they, they need a lot of money. And we figured it out that leveraging the capabilities that we have doing clinical trials in Chile, that is the most kind of the, one of the most expensive parts of, uh, of developing the, of, of validating the product, that we, we have a lot of capabilities in Chile. Um, we didn't need so much money. So, so that's why in the early stages, we were mostly funded by, by, by money from Latin America, mostly from, from Chile, because that's the money that we needed in order to reach our, our milestones. That changed when we decided to go into robotics. That is the current current uh, situation, because as I mentioned, when we when we launched the first product, and also this is a interesting and funny story, because I, I was the first uh, salesperson of the company. Uh, Duke University was our our first customer. We, we I mean we get the FDA clearance, we have the product, and our first customer was was Duke. Uh, so I decided to move to North Carolina 
to be very close to, to the initial use of the, of the first magnetic product. And that's why they use it with the Da Vinci. And that's where we are starting to see that, that the robotics combination of magnets was very, very powerful. And that's when we decided to change the strategy of the company. And that's another of the beauties of having like a small company that you can really, you have to be very aware and very close to your, to your users, in this case, surgeons. I don't even call customers, our partners, you see that were helping us to, to figure it out what was the best use. And that's why we decided to do this big jump, do another kind of like a big round of financing in order to develop a much more uh, complete solution and moving from being a product company to a platform, a, a robotic platform company. And that's why we decided to do a big jump in terms of, of racing. And now we are having US investors who also are, uh, that actually was leading the investment, but also with a big participation from uh, investor from Latin America. Wow. Okay. And then just to be super clear then, did, was there very distinct Series A, Series Bs, and now the Series C? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Series A, as I mentioned, was led by, 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 by the investor from Chile. Series B was with angels from, from the US and also from angels from, from Chile, but always thinking that we will be kind of like a product company, that we will be at acquired by someone because of what makes sense for one product that works. Uh, but now we are doing this, this kind of change of, of direction of a strategy, also based on, on our support of our board, that the opportunity is much bigger, that magnetics is, it has a lot of, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a change of paradigm in surgery. But in order to really take advantage, you have to combine it with robotics to really get like a, a, a much compelling solution. So that's why we 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 changed the strategy and now we are shooting for a for a, a bigger bigger kind of grow of the company. We're shooting to be a standalone company because we see the opportunities is big. Um, so that's why we have been really changing our our strategy for for good in order to shooting for for bigger. Uh, and that the, our board has been critical in terms of that change of of directions of of the company to really take advantage of the. Of the opportunity that we're in, in, that is in front of us. So this Series C, this capital raise for Series C, was the first funding in for the new direction of combining robotics and the magnets. Yes, the Series the Series A, to be very kind of simplistically, Series A was to develop the the magnetic uh, product. Series B was demonstrating the commercial capability of that product, and the Series C is developing the robot getting the, the regulatory clearances of the robot and the initial entry to the market of our robotic the solution, the, the MARS, the Magnetic Assisted Robotic Surgery concept. Very clear, very clear. Okay, um, was Series C also, you mentioned angels out of Chile and also um, angels here in the United States for Series A and Series B in that company. Yes. Was Series C the first time that Levita took an institutional or venture capital funding? Yes, yes. I mean, that this is the first time that, well, Evan Norton is, is leading the, the round. It's very uh, senior investor. Also, we have Med, Medtech's in, uh, Ventures that also is a, is a, is a fund specialized in, in, in Medtech. Uh, so this is the first time that we are bringing U.S., more U.S. institutional investors to, to our cap table because we need it. I mean, we see that the next stage is a, it will be a commercial a commercial round to expand the, the use of our robots. So we probably need, we'll need more, more capital. So we're preparing the company for the next stage. Also we're preparing the company to go public in the future um, in the right time. So we're taking this in another, in another direction. That's also, I said that it's important to be surrounded by people who think big and that's what we're doing. So I, I think it's fascinating that as you mentioned, this is the first institutional round into Levita. Previous was angels. We also were dealing with Latin America, U.S. angels, and now U.S. VCs, correct? Yes. Okay. You mentioned in one of our earlier questions about if you had this magic stick and you could change anything, it's really just wrapping your head around the difference of pitch or the style to whom your audience is, whether it's to angels or whether it's to VCs. And I, and I find that fascinating. We've covered this topic um, in previous episodes where there is a nuance and there is a difference between how angels may emotionally get involved 
and obviously venture capitalists who are deploying other companies or people's money into a strategy, that's what they wake up every single day and do. They're professional investors, which is just a different game. Yes. In your experience, what is your, and we'll get to the Latin American piece right after this, but I want to just have everyone hear your, your voice on this. What is the differences between raising capital from angels and raising capital from venture capitalists? I would say that uh, the difference is that the VCs need to cover a little bit what, why they make the decision uh, in, a, in, a, in a stronger way than the angels have to do it. Angels make the decisions in terms of their own, their own money, so they don't have to give too much uh, what is it, explanation why they did any investment. Uh, VCs, I would say that in my experience is, is that they are they, they, they have more pressure from their their, their own um, uh, LPs or investors or people who, 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 who mandate them in order to explain the investment. And, and we, everybody knows that this is a high risk uh, kind of an environment that kind of is very difficult to predict which ones, which companies are going to be the, the successful ones. So I would say that that for traditional VCs, they have more pressure to to justify things if it goes wrong in order to to really um, have a have an explanation why they did an investment than compared to angel. So that's why I would say if you see that this is not what I'm saying. If you see that the facts, most of the of the VCs invest in people that they know that they have a track record investment. It's it's not just by chance. It's because if something goes wrong, you can justify what happened. So that's my, my personal opinion, as, as I mentioned. Um, so I would say that you really have to understand how is the, how is the process, how is the, is the frame. Also, as I mentioned, they are very used to be pitched in a way that they are used to, kind of in a very, how do say, like structured way, that angels are a little bit more flexible and more emotional. Uh, but nevertheless, all our angels are like very successful uh, business people with a lot of um, business kind of uh, a view, kind of like a f- four four view. Uh, so yeah, are different are different um, situations, uh, and, and you have to just understand it and, and like plan ahead and move move forward. So I also want to touch base on the the Latin American. Piece. Oh, and actually, before I forget, the timing of your Series C twenty six million, right? So now you have first time institutional coming in how long did that round take you to raise and i'm not talking about from the first money in until close i'm talking about in preparation for getting your story together like the day that you knew that you were going to have to put together a strategy to go out and raise series c to the time it closed yeah how long did that take you oof that was a good also another good question. I mean, it's it's long. I mean, since we decided to go this route, uh, yeah, I would say like at the end, the full process is like 18 months in terms of really kind of like start to prepare and everything, start pitching the first investors. Uh, then you have the term sheets, the term sheets uh, kind of like selecting the, the one that is better, uh, negotiating, and then the final, final closing overall it's like 18 because we did a first closing then we did another close so it's a it's a long it's a long you have to really be really careful with mostly and this is a suggestion for other entrepreneurs be really careful with the with the cash flow you see because um even you have investors interested the thing takes a lot of time and and the idea is that you keep doing we, we in parallel we keep developing our our robot we were doing clinical trials in chile uh we were demonstrating yeah i mean you have to fundraise, but you have to keep moving the company to their to their milestones. So, so you have to really plan uh, ahead, prepare everything, and and take. I mean, give time. I mean, actually, we are closing this round uh, that give us resources for for at least at the end of next year. Um, but we are we are starting to prepare the next our next round of financing because these things these things take time. So. And I want to go back now and touch base on Latin America because this is really the first time on this series that we are having a, a single episode that has a very strong title, Latin America. Um, when you came from Chile, you had a network there. You were 
like you mentioned, literally almost pushed to go to San Francisco to be able to help build this company, right? So Chilean through and through um, had already received both non-dilutive and dilutive capital from a VC down in Chile to then move up to San Francisco and start this company. But in general, Latin America, um, when we talk about the med tech industry, and I'm using very high level stereotypes here, when we talk about fast, real pace innovation, it's Europe, it's US, it's Israel, it's now even China. Um, and there's obviously secondary tertiary places, but even predominantly it's US and, and Europe. When we talk about the venture community, it also pretty much stays there. We know there's a lot of money over in China. We know there's money other places in the world, but very rarely does Latin America get highlighted unless you have a tether to Latin America and you just happen to know how great it is. But for all those who don't, you were able to get some financing from Latin America because you do have that connection down there. Objectively speaking, at least from your perspective, which makes it subjective, I guess, <laughs> is the Western medtech startup who is based in Boston, who's based in Minneapolis or California or Texas, are there opportunities to look in Latin America for capital if you don't have that community that's already there? Or is it really relationship driven? I would say that this is more than Latin America or, or anything, as I say before. Um, investment is a, is a give of trust, you see, and, and, and you can construct that trust in different ways. Uh, but it's, it's very difficult, as I mentioned, that someone go to one place without nobody having a network who, who know that, that this person is, is trustable. You see, it's like, like, can you trust, give them money and that they will do and what they say they are, they are planning to do. So I think that, I mean, if you really want to raise money from, from Latin America, you need to have some kind of connection. You, you need to really demonstrate, uh, that, that you are someone you can that people can trust. Um, as I mentioned, for us was in the beginning it was luck that the, the initial that we didn't have any track record. We were backed up by, by Chilean investors who know who know us. I mean, we, we know people in, in in our community that that we are serious that we we're doing. Kind of, I, I did a lot of pain research before. I was in, uh, a researcher at Harvard. I mean. I have a track record of research, so people know that 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 I know worked in a hospital for a long time. And my patient did well. I mean, there was someone that you can trust, um, but that those things you have to construct it on, on time uh, with with time. You see, I mean, that we are raising money now from the the US is not a coincidence because I have been here for the last I don't know eight years. You see, so so these things take time. Uh, there are resources in Latin America. There are very smart uh, investors in Latin America. The, that if you ask me, there's resources. Yes, there's people too willing to invest in healthcare. Yes, but you really need to know how to reach them and how to create the the, the trust that you need for an, an investment. You see. So, great point, and that and that comes down to raising capital in general. It's it's about trust. Whether it's an angel investor investing his or her own direct money out of their pockets, or even the trust with an institutional investor who ultimately has pressure to return that money to whomever their LPs are. So fully agree with you on trust. I guess very quickly then just to, to highlight it, for all those who know nothing about Latin America, how about I make this question easier? Is there a venture capital scene? Are there high net worth individuals who are looking to place their money in risky assets or risky investments like med tech startups? Or is it something like, once again, it's like, if you run across it, great, because you have a connection, but otherwise there's other places in the world that are very clearly capable of deploying capital for MedTech. Yeah, well, I will talk based on my experience, for sure. I mean, in, in, in Latin America, you have wealthy uh, investors who is people who, who is, is very smart and they know their business. They're usually more traditional based business but by the economy of, of Latin America. But I would say there's a new generation of investors that they 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 want a, a, a economical return, but also they want to have an impact on on society. You see, it's not just just the money itself. And I would say that that's a beauty about medtech that you have this 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 uh, combination that you can bring a, a beautiful return 
um, for the investment in, in terms of economic value, but also you can have a huge impact on, on, on people's life. I mean, and this is not that people, I don't know, are waiting less for, for a game. They're waiting less for a, for a, for a surgery, that, a surgery that, that if you don't do it in, in the right time, it can kill you or, or you suffer all that time. So it's a, it's a meaningful impact on, on, on people and in, in the society that I would say that, that the new generation of, of, of investors from, from Chile are very, I mean, in Chile and Latin America are very, very aware. So I would say that there, there's capital, there's smart people, there's other potentials in, in Latin America. We're opening a robotic and artificial intelligence uh, center in Santiago because we are leveraging the, the, the talent of, of engineers in, in Chile, you see. So in Latin America, there's very good. There's a lot of potential, but of course you need to know how to, to leverage and how to extract that, that value. Last question that I wanna focus on real quickly and just tying this all together. You've been in the United States for eight years. You talk about the importance of networking, ultimately leading you to raising capital, building teams, et cetera. You have this dynamite board of directors that you've been able to build. I'm assuming you didn't know them when you were living in Chile. I mean, these were all relationships that you've thus developed over the past eight years. In the press release as well, you mentioned that Maria Sands came on as the chairperson, chairwoman of your organization. Um, I want to just tie this last question together and let you run with it. The power of networking on like Daniel Hawkins, right? Legend in MedTech, been around for a long time, done numerous companies. You've been here for eight years. All of a sudden, he's on your board. Maria Sand, same thing, been in the industry for decades. How do you ultimately network to find these people? And I don't need the individual stories per these people, but just in general, the power of networking. And then what makes a great board of directors? Like what you should be really looking for if you can give advice to entrepreneurs listening in on how to build a great board and the importance of that. And then even more specifically, the position of chairperson, chairwoman. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very loaded, loaded question. So we want to start first that, I mean, the, the U.S. for, in our case, in my case, personal case, has been very welcoming. I mean, I'm coming from another country. I was open, able to open a, a company here. I have been, I don't know, been very, very, with a lot of support with a lot of, of people in different levels. So I would say that the U.S. entrepreneurial um, mindset is, is really different than you can see in other, in other areas of, of the world. And I think that that's a, that's a great thing for 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 being able to someone kind of with a good idea to 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 really reach a product that that reach society at the end. So I would say that first here the people in in general are very open, very uh, open to help uh, and and really be involved in 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 companies that that has a clear view in terms of what you want to do and how you want to do it. So in that aspect, uh, being here in the U.S., I've been able to to meet the um, a lot of people who has experience in the in the medtech space. I'm very lucky to engage them and, and, and join our 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 company in different positions, not as advisors or or board members. Um, organizing a board is, is is difficult. I mean, I didn't realize that before. Now I have more more understanding. You really need to bring board that that brings you. Uh, advice. I mean, they are really such, it's a it's advisory board, very involved in the company. Um, you have to bring different capabilities to the board that are complementary to what what you have uh, as a CEO and also a more uh, operational operational team. Because the the board helps you to define the the strategy that at the end is the most important roadmap that that you have that you need to have in your company. For example. We receive calls from all over the world in order to to start. I don't know deploying products, but but with our board we have a clear roadmap, which are our clear milestones. That is, develop our robot, get the FDA clearance, and get to the first centers running. You see, so it's very important to have a clear strategy in order for not to um, be trying to do many things and then you don't reach nothing. Nothing, you don't hit your clear milestones. So. Having a strong board that has different uh, knowledge and backgrounds is, is critical in order to find a strategy 
in the case that we're a company who are developing a new category that we are entering in a space that nobody has been before, that is kind of like entering in the in the jungle without knowing nothing, you really have to have a, a board that helps you to, to figure it out the strategy in order to be successful. Alberto Rodriguez Navarro, CEO, founder of La Vita. I want to say thank you so much for sharing your insights and stories with us today. We covered Latin America, we covered surgical robotics, we covered magnets involving surgical robotics. We talked about boards. We talked about raising capital between angels as well as VCs and, and obviously making that big push to move to different continents and obviously the family support that is needed to be able to accomplish that. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your stories. This is the MedTech Money Podcast series where we demystify raising and investing capital in MedTech. Thank you so much, Alberto. No, thank you again, Giovanni. I really enjoyed the, the talk and I hope that this helps uh, entrepreneurs to to big, do the big jump. I mean, because it's a, it's a very, very rewarding journey. Uh, so so yeah, I, I invite everybody to to do it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at info at Thanks for listening and have a great day.